Blog Talk Radio. show where we tell our stories our way here in the heart of uh, Black Wall Street, Tulsa. And uh, do we have a show for you tonight? We got Miss Tiffany Crutcher, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher. So call a family member, tell a friend. They can dial 646-716-5525 and tell them don't forget to press that one button. We got a lot to talk about. A lot of good things going on, and we're going to be reviewing the year 2021 uh, with Miss Tiffany here, and uh, we talked about it, and uh, it's going to be recorded. So you can access us on KBOB899.com. That's our website. You can go to KBOB 
89.9 Facebook live stream because we're streaming right now live on Facebook. Also, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Podcast, iHeartRadio. So all you listeners around the globe, because we know we got several of you guys uh, around doing a whole lot of stuff. And you tune in to us faithfully. And I want to thank you for doing so. This platform has been put together by us, community for the community. And uh, that's just what we do around here. We're all about helping people and uh, empowering people. You know, just getting things to uh, another level. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with Miss Tiffany Crutcher, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher. And we want you to just kind of stick around, make those phone calls, okay? We'll be right back. Did you know that sickle cell disease affects people from all races and ethnicities? Sickle cell disease can look like you, and sickle cell disease can look like me. You can carry the sickle cell trait and never even know it. The state of Oklahoma and the support of the families with sickle cell disease incorporated are invested in educating Oklahomans about sickle cell disease and other inherited blood disorders and traits. For more information, visit us at www.oksickleinfo.org. KBOB, the home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit tulsatransit.org for more details. How to order chicken wings. Number one, find a good wing spot. I know a wing spot. Max Wings. Number two, decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la carte. Huh? What's that? Well, combos come with chicken, veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah... Okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fries. Sunday Dinner by Janet, the place you can get all of your Sunday dinner favorites, such as chicken and dressing, country-style meatloaf, southern side tactics, so much more. No need for you to wait until Sunday anymore. You can visit us every Thursday through Sunday from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. Dine in or carry out. That's Sunday Dinner by Janet, located at 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Have a question? Call me, 918 951 
888-627-5143. Thank you for calling Sunday Dinner. This is Janet. How can I help you? North Star Security and Private Investigation provides over 35 years of experience to ensure your security and investigation needs are met. Our officers are fleet and state certified. If you are seeking employment, stop by our website at www.northstarsecurityandpi.com. For details on quotes and employment opportunities, call today at 918-248-6592. That's 918-248-6592. North Star Security and Private Investigation. All right. Hey, I'm back here on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way out of the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you can dial that number, 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button. In the studio, you guys, we got Miss Tiffany Crutcher, Dr. Crutcher. How we doing there, lady? How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Glad to have you in the studio. Glad yeah. to be back. Yeah, be back. Yeah. Pull that mic up just a little bit. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's where I want you. So, it's been an interesting year. But before we get into the year, let's talk about, for those of you who don't know, but everybody do know, uh, tell everybody a little bit where you're born and raised. And we, you know, I know, but tell our audiences in Vegas and L.A. and Chicago, where you're from and what's going on. Absolutely. Well, first, Bobby, let me say thank you so much for uh, sharing your platform uh, with the community. Um, It's always good to be here to tell our stories our way. Uh, I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma, born and raised, North Tulsa, went to Emerson, Emerson. Harvard Junior High, and uh, the elite and prestigious Booger T. Washington High School. So got it. There we are. Mm And so Tulsa's home, you know, graduated from Booker T, went to Langston and decided to go to grad school uh, in Alabama and stayed in Alabama for about 20 years and came back home officially um, the fall of 2019. Now, you've been in, you've been down there in Alabama for a while, huh? For a while, yeah. Yeah, a long time. For a long time. You just decided to stay? Decided to stay. I love the South. Love the amount of black people. I didn't realize until I left Tulsa. I thought North Tulsa, I was around black people. But when I got out of Oklahoma and went to Alabama, you saw it, huh? Crossed over into Memphis and Alabama. I was like, whoa, I've been sheltered. Mm -hmm. There were black people everywhere. I mean, they call it the dirty South, but I I fell in love with just the hospitality, the the culture, culture. Mm -hmm. the weather. Um, it was just beautiful, beautiful place. Speaking of weather, is it warm, cold? What I mean is, it do they have the seasons or what? Uh, it's warmer. You you don't have to have. I mean, snow and ice just wasn't a thing until I would say 
recently they got mm-hmm. their first ice storm and first snowstorm, didn't know how to deal with it, didn't have the proper equipment. It was a fluke. And um, so that's what I loved about it. You know, I didn't really have to buy a winter coat, maybe a light jacket wow. for the fall and winter. So not yeah. like this bipolar weather here we got, <laughs> huh? Yeah, with climate change, Alabama is starting to get that way. We just saw, you know, uh, the, the tornadoes ravage through through the south, through Arkansas and Tennessee and Kentucky. So my heart goes out to uh, all of the families that's lost loved ones and in their property. I, I have so many friends in the Kentucky area. Okay, down that way, mm-hmm. huh? You ever go back down to visit? Have you been popping in every once in a while? I, I have uh, not. I, I plan to go right after Christmas. I plan to get back there. I actually still have a home that I own there in Montgomery, Alabama. So I need to go check on things and mm-hmm. see how the house is doing. I see how things are mm-hmm. going. You don't know if you're going to keep it or sell it or, you, you know, know, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it ever since, you know, I lost my mom this year. Um, yeah. you know, and I said I would never come back to Tulsa. I mean, I come back for Christmas and in the spring, you know, my family, they would come to Alabama. So I was always back, but I never thought in a million years that mm-hmm. I would actually move back. Huh? I didn't think I would move back. You sound like me. You talked in my talk because I yeah. said the same thing and never so, come back. So, so the, the, the message is never say never. Yeah, <laughs> never say never. I said the same. I used to visit here. Oh, I'm not never coming back here, mm-hmm. but here I am. And here you are. And uh, glad to have you on the show and on this platform. Um, brothers and sisters, you have uh, siblings. You had, uh, you got, yeah. how many of you? Three of us. It was uh, four of us. So, it, you know, I was the only girl and I had three brothers. My oldest brother, Joey, passed away in, in November. I, I knew Joey. 2014 yeah. musician. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a bad man. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Had stage four colon cancer. So lost him in 2014. And then my twin brother, Terrence, everyone knows the story. It went national. Uh, lost him to police brutality, you know, a police officer by the name of Betty Joe Shelby, a Tulsa police officer, shot him uh, unarmed uh, with his hands in the air. Um, First degree mur- murder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I'm just, yeah. I'm like, she was, we've talked about this before, but it's still, that's what it is. To yeah. Me, you know. uh, she was charged for the first time in the history of Tulsa. An uh, active police officer was charged by Steve Kunzweiler. Mm-hmm. And uh, he charged her with first degree manslaughter. And maybe a few months later, May of 2017, she was acquitted on on those charges. And went and got another job, didn't she? Yeah, went and got another job um, working for Rogers County, a neighboring county, as a chef, uh, sheriff's deputy. Uh, th- this is the thing that I don't think people realize. The jury acquitted her, Bobby, but they didn't exonerate her pinned a note to their verdict. They wrote a letter saying they felt that she should never be a patrol officer again. They didn't feel like she was equipped to be on the streets patrolling. Mm -hmm. She would be better suited at a desk job. So that right there said a lot, yet they acquitted her. Um, And, you know, just reflecting back on, on the jury process and seeing that there were only two blacks, one black alternate, which ended up being on the jury, a black male. Um, they should have hung that jury. 
And yeah. I met the yeah. daughter. I met the daughter here just a few months back during the Legacy Fest. Oh, really? And she came in my office and kind of tiptoed around me. And she said, I want you to know that my father was the man who was on the jury and he's haunted every day. He prays for you all every day. He wish he would have hung that jury. And then you hear from other jurors who said they got tired and hungry and they had been in there about nine or 10 hours, no food. And they just started flipping their answers, you know, saying, Hey, well, maybe she's not a bad person. And they're haunted every single day. And I could tell when they came out and I saw the tears in their eyes. I could tell something wasn't right. They wouldn't look at us. Usually they're looking at us, but they would not look at us. And they acquitted her. And I think the jury foreman stated that because of the way the laws are written, it was hard for them to render the verdict that they really wanted to render. So what do you, again, what do you think was so hard? You know, you're right. You know, I because mean, I'm just wondering what was so hard about uh, convicting a person who committed murder. That's a good question. Nothing hard about it. Nothing hard about it. But maybe these were were were, were citizens who said, "I'm going to look at the law and didn't want the back blow." I mean, you understand the dynamics of of the city and state that we're living in. But when I think about the trial of, uh, um what was his name, who killed Jeremy Lake, um, the the former police officer. Mm-hmm. I think they tried that, what, about three or four times? Yeah. And you had people who actually said, I'm not going to, you know, convict a white man for killing a black boy. And they, you know, stood their ground. They held their own. When are we going to get to the point where we actually look at the facts this is something that happened on video. This on is camera. On camera. And, and if we even go back, you know, and, and look at Betty Shelby, we're so quick to look at the victims and vilify the victims and, and, and look at their past. Or maybe he had a record or maybe he was on drugs and things of that nature. And focus on that. And focus on that instead of focusing on what happened. What caused you to kill an unarmed, innocent black man, a man that wasn't under arrest, you were actually headed to a domestic violence call. You just happened to look to the right and you encountered his vehicle. His vehicle, And you, you aborted a domestic violence call where someone could have actually been getting killed to go and check this out. And, you know, in her testimony, she stated that um, she thought that he was having a mental health crisis or high on something that she wanted to help him, yet she gave him a bullet. Mm-hmm. Then on 60 Minutes, Bobby, I saw it. I saw it. she said, I had never been so afraid in my life. She said that I would rather be tried by 12 than to be carried out by six, like Terrence, because I get tired of people saying, oh, he was a suspect or he was this or that. His name was Terrence. Mm-hmm. He was a father. He was a son. He was my brother walking with his hands in with the his air. hands in the air. And even if he wasn't in his right mind in that moment, true. You know, he needed help. And, and, and when you look at the intersections of of behavioral health and people who are dealing with mental health crises, intersect that with law enforcement. If you're black and statistics have shown you're lucky if you survive. And so we have to really figure out 
what we're going to do with law enforcement responding to situations that they're not trained um, to respond to. Um, And uh, Tulsa's police department, they don't mandate that all of their officers go through through mental health training. And they need to because uh, there's a different culture that they are, they don't know anything about. They come over here in our community and police us, and then they just drive back to their community. They don't live in this community, so they don't know our cultures. If you say something like, hey, man, what you stopping me for? They subject to want to just pull out the gun and, you know, and fire on you. Or, you know, where that's natural to us. You know, right, right. To, to make those type of statements, and we have every right to ask. Yeah, why have, are you, you know, why yeah. are you pulling me over? It why is, are you pulling me over? You have to, you have to share mm-hmm. that. I mean, there are studies that with routine traffic stops, um, they treat white drivers different than they they treat black drivers. So, uh, out of Oakland's police department, they did a study on the linguistics of how police officers actually speak um, to to drivers, and they recorded the conversations. They didn't show the faces. They didn't show the faces of the police officers. But in conclusion of this report and of this study, they were more polite to white drivers. They would actually say their names. I'm officer such and such. This is why I pulled you over. But when they pulled over a black driver or motorist, drivers and uh, registration and they escalated tensions just by their tone of voice, or they would speak more slang um, mm-hmm. to black drivers. And when they showed them themselves and put the mirror up, they were stunned because that implicit bias, they didn't know that that was taking place until we put the mirror in their faces. And you get that all over the country. And that's why I'm really excited about what Philadelphia, their city council has done. They just passed um, the Equality Drivers Act where now none of their police officers are allowed to pull drivers over for just minor infractions for a broken tail light or or um, oh, really or you know maybe a tag they actually will take a picture and send you a ticket in the mail sort of like when you run um mm-hmm, a stoplight mm-hmm. and the cameras are there yeah uh now they will pull you over if 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 you know you're driving like erratic or erratic something. or something like that mm-hmm. but they because they've seen too many times where a routine traffic stop ends up in, in something that's unjustified, something that's unnecessary. And so we really need to look at what Philadelphia has done this year. And they actually did it in partnership with the police department, the city council, and they worked together because they knew that across this country, um, we're having too many people being killed and blacks disproportionately for no reason by law enforcement. And so what it does is it sets up the police officers for success. It, it, it prevents them from being in a situation that they may not need to be in. So Tiffany, how long has this been going on in Philadelphia? How long have they been, this been implemented? It, this year. Just it it this happened year? this year, just a few months. Okay. Yeah. Just a few months. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm pulling their, um, you know, the um, ordinance that they passed and definitely would like to, uh, propose it to our city council and, and, and see if they would propose it to um, our, our police department as well. Yeah. They need some schooling. They need some educational schooling and uh, just, they just, that's what they need. Put it like that. You know, um, too, this has been going on for years. 
But the camera, the video cameras are capturing all of this now. I, I remember when I was coming up as a young man, uh, a couple of my classmates got killed by the police, you know, struggling and fighting with the police. And that was back in the 70s, you know, but they weren't able to capture it. Now they're they're getting it all over everywhere. I, I can imagine probably sometime today, some police officer has stopped some young black man somewhere in this United States, and there's been some altercations or something take place. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, even on video, we're still not getting um, the indictments that we need and the, oh, the, the sure. justice that we need. Um, I'm so thankful for the young lady who filmed George Floyd, because had she not. We wouldn't be here. We I mean, the, the, here. All, the, the, the historic protests that took place, not across the country, but across the globe, wouldn't have happened. And <clears throat> attitudes wouldn't, wouldn't have shifted or mindsets. And, and I'm not saying all mindsets have shifted. We still have a long way to go. I mean, the protests, 2020 protests post-George Floyd actually caused a ripple effect uh, throughout red states and conservative states and their legislatures, uh, especially here in Oklahoma, where they passed an anti-protest bill because they were retaliating against, you know, people like myself who took it to the streets to try to get this city and this state to to change the laws that allow police officers uh, to harm black and brown people, to commit legal murder uh, without consequence. And so... um, you know, they they even passed a, a law, anti-doxing law, and you can't film police officers or share their names and things I, of that I nature. I heard about that. And, and so that's that's running interference on checking police misconduct. Mm-hmm. But we have a right to film when we see someone doing something wrong. And so it's <clears> definitely <throat> encroaching uh, these anti-protest bills, mm-hmm. our right to assemble, uh, our right to free speech. Uh, is encroaching on our constitutional rights. And mm-hmm. so uh, thank God for uh, Georgetown Law and um, uh, the NAACP and the NAACP state chapter and grassroots organizations like the Terrence Crutcher Foundation and Dream Action Oklahoma and Black Lives Matter Oklahoma City um, for actually educating the community and ACLU of Oklahoma, educating the community on what's happening with these anti-protest bills. And and so these national lawyers, they actually filed a lawsuit uh, against the state of Oklahoma um, deeming this bill unconstitutional and a judge actually filed an injunction. Stop it until we can actually, you know, Mm. get through the lawsuit details and things of that nature. And I'm glad that it happened because, you know, we recently just, thank God, got over the um, scheduled execution of Julius Jones, mm-hmm. you know, now, and, now, and we, we went down there to protest that and had that law went into effect November 1st and we were obstructing streets or blocking traffic or doing things. Uh, there could have been some, some, some major charges filed against um, us on that day mm-hmm. and that week. Yeah. We, um, went over to Oklahoma City and participated in one of the protests yeah, over yeah. there when you were over there, us and the Juice Radio Show and things like that, try, trying to get young people involved and uh, supporting and educating them about what's going on. 
Thank you for coming too. I appreciate you all coming. Yeah, yeah, that's the least we could have done. You know, it's come over, and I was as I was explaining it to them why they were there. A lot of them, it was their first time ever protesting, and it was like an experience for them Mm -hmm. marching and protesting. And we've been marching and protesting for years. I, I kept saying, I say, boy, look at us. We we still in the trenches, fighting for rights and civil rights. You know, like Dr. King did back in the day and even a little bit before then. But uh, when is when do you think change is going to come, especially with these laws? Because in order we we must change policy. Yeah, you know, that law is so we got to implement those laws and those policies so that uh, police can't just do anything they feel like doing and get away with it. You know, well, we got close um, um, to getting some historic legislation across the finish line at the federal level, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And before it was named the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, you know, I had frequented Capitol Hill um, actually helping write some of that legislation and make recommendations for that legislation. And if they would have implemented it a year or two before, George Floyd would be alive. Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. would be alive. And the bills kept languishing. You know, I talked with Senator Booker and uh, so many different people uh, saying that there's no appetite because these power structures are, I mean, they have such a stronghold like the FOP and and the police agencies and things of that nature. But we got to a point where we were at the table. I was at the table with Senator Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer. How do you feel about these politicians <laughs> that you're naming right there? Because I, you know, I got my own reservations about well, some of these names and people. We have to understand it's chess, not checkers. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to get anything done, we knew that we needed 10 votes on the Senate side, 10 Republican votes. And so if you're not at the table actually trying to get them to do what's right by us, then how are we going to get it done? True. And so we felt like as families sharing our stories with them, maybe we would get them to see. I mean, of course. Were you able to get them to see? Not at all. I mean, <laughs> not at all. And, yeah. and, of course, we, we weren't naive to it. It was really infuriating that sending that we won the, 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 the office of the White House. We won two Senate seats, so we, we have the Senate we have the house and still we can't get anything done. That's very frustrating I know it, um, it for is. me. And so we met with the White House after I got a call from Senator Booker because um, he wanted to be the first to let me know because he was one of the main negotiators on the bill. And they wanted to make sure that family voices, you know, families were heard. were heard. And he called me and said, and he talked with me and my dad and said, I'm sorry we couldn't get this done, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep working and trying to find other avenues to get some measure of reform. But now you have this 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 thing called defund the police or, you know, abolitionists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when I really think about our law enforcement and what they're responding to, do we really need them to respond to everything? Mm-hmm. Do we? Do we need them to respond when... One of my family members are having a problem. A problem. Why mm-hmm. can't we handle that within 
the community. You, you get what I'm saying? Well, because, you know, it used to be that way kind of a little bit yeah. long years ago. I mean, the community police officer see a fight, fight going on and they just go and just stop it. Boom. Hey, stop that. Quit that. And so we, mm-hmm. we deal with conflict within our community instead of calling the police on a family member mm-hmm. or a neighbor. And then they end up being taken away from their children, their households, and they end up in the criminal legal system uh, for something that could have been resolved through community, through the church, yeah, through, through some counselors, True. through some mental health service providers that we know, because we don't know these officers who are coming into our community um, uh, saying that they protect and serve. But the fact is, um, you know, they're policing us like we're on a battlefield. They're treating us like animals to mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. you know, basically. Uh, I remember when when the community could police the community, mm-hmm. you know, hey, uh, Miss, Mr. Williams is down there having it out with Miss Williams. And, OK, well, I'm going to go down there and, and knock that out. You know, I can stop it, you know. So that's the way it used to be. But we don't have that no more because we got to rebuild our community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We really do, because nowadays People don't even know their neighbors. That's right. You know, and that's who, why who lives next door. And I'm excited about some of the initiatives, and I know we'll get to that later, that yeah. we are uh, working on and building uh, with the Terrence Crutcher Foundation. Now, earlier part of the year, uh, you were busy and things were going on, and uh, you had some things happen. Tell us a little bit about, like, around February and January. Oh, with my mom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, today, one year ago today, um, now that I think about it, um, I took my mom and dad to the ER. Um, They weren't doing good at all. They were sluggish. Both of them, right? Both of them, low energy. You know, we just celebrated my dad's birthday Saturday. It actually started on the 11th. All right. Happy birthday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Reverend Joey Crutcher. Joey Crutcher Sr. Yeah. 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 Thanks for calling him on his birthday, Bobby. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, And um, so took them to the hospital, ended up both of them with Mm COVID-19. Dad was able to overcome and come home, but mom never came home. Um, she fought for an entire month. So that first week we thought she was going to come back home and, you know, the COVID overtook her lungs. She ended up being, um, put on a ventilator and, uh, they called us in on Christmas and said, she's not going to make it through the night. And we continued to pray because, you know, we're a family of faith. Mm-hmm. She made it through Christmas and they called us in on New Year's. She's not going to make it through New Year's. She made it through New Year's, so we said, God is keeping her here. She's fighting, and they said, your mom is soldier, is, huh? is, is, is fighting hard. Mm-hmm. They said she is uh, knocking COVID out, and then I think she got tired. I think my dad went in there and had a conversation with her and said, hey, you know, if you're tired, we're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. 51 years of marriage. That is a long mm-hmm. time. That so. is a, it's unheard of these days, 51 years. I knew your mother, you know, went to school with her and stuff like that. And uh, a lovely woman mm-hmm. who who was just kind of, she didn't, I never heard any trouble or anything, you know, about your mom. So, you know, she's, I think she's in a class of 71. 71, yeah. I think Charlie mm-hmm. Wilson was her yeah, classmate. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, class of 71, BTW, they mm-hmm. say they are the only class the best class 
And then I hear my dad, class of 66, mm-hmm. we are the only class. But then there's class of 1995, mm-hmm. my class. Who yeah. And I, then I there's think... our class, the class of 72, <laughs> that's coming up this year coming. So, hey, you know, 2022, you're going to hear from us. Yeah. Yeah. That tradition, that Hornet mm-hmm. tradition. That's what everybody's powerful. proud of their yeah, classes. Yeah, we are. Yeah, real proud of their classes. Great classes. Yeah. And so that's, uh, and you lost your mother. And uh, how was the family doing nowadays? You know, because when you, when you lose your queen, it's uh, it's heavy when you lose your queen. Yeah, I'm trying to scoot on past this topic before I break down and start crying on the oh. radio. You know, we're doing good. Just the family. The family is doing good. We're just trying to, to, to get through the holidays. I mean, again, around this time of the year, Thanksgiving, we lost Joey, September Terrence. Now, you know, around this time, you know, mom. So um, we're taking care of the kids, staying busy. And um, standing strong on our faith, but we, um, it's it's not it's not easy. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. We're human. We're human, and um, just trying to keep things as normal as possible. When you have kids, you know they still have to live. We have to be energized for them. For little Terrence, you know, I had to put up the Christmas tree. Right. Exactly. You know, and you know Terrence's daughter Takaya had a, a little boy. Mm-hmm. His first grandson, and he's precious. So we are making sure that we live for them, even sometimes when it's hard to get up every day and, and still fight. We have to live for them. I see. I see. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me too. You know, I lost my mother in eighteen, and uh, I remember your yes, mom. Uh, she was. Uh, she was in Houston, was wasn't she? No, she was here. But didn't know. didn't she live in Texas? I remember when when. Uh, we first had our, our annual gala and you said, I got to go see my mom. She's not doing well that, that first year mm-hmm. in 16. Wasn't she in Texas somewhere? No. Well, she did live in Texas years ago, but she, she was here in, her. she was here in Tulsa. That's really what brought me back to Tulsa. Okay. Why, you know, I, my parents were aging and uh, I'm saying to myself, wow, let me just go back here and, uh, deal with that, you know? And, uh, we just lost mom, and it was hard. That was a, because my mother was like a, she was like my biggest fan. You get what I'm saying? Anything that I participated in, she was right there. You know, when she, when I had this rock doing this radio broadcast, she'd be talking to a girlfriend. Hey, girl, look here, let me call you back. Bobby getting ready to go on the air. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I had that support doing my musical career. Uh, she mom's was right there, and I miss her dearly. You know, we talked all the time. Hey, mama, what's going on? Coffee in the morning, you know. So, anyway, you know, let's let's just. I uh, know. Let's move on. Let's move let's on. Change let's change subject. on. <laughs> and moving forward, uh, uh, right after that, what took place after your mother passed? And you, because you've been involved in so yeah, much this year, yeah, you know, so looking much. back on 2021. Yeah. Where do I start? I, I know after mom passed away, I ended up. Uh, doing some work with the NBA, had the opportunity to uh, do a Black History uh, Month uh, lunch and learn with the NBA and all of their employees and, and really for, for the nation alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, right. Well, I and, know that was a good experience. Yeah, huh? and, and Etan Thomas mm-hmm. and um, uh, another gentleman. Um, and it, it was just amazing that he knew about, you know, my work and was very engaged and that the NBA, they had been following uh, the story of Terrence Crutcher and what happened in the work of, 
of the foundation. And so I've been able to develop a really great relationship with the NBA and, and uh, we're going to be doing some things together this year. They, they were very supportive through the uh, centennial, which, you know, came after that, after black history month, it was really gearing up and prepping for um, the 100 year anniversary of, of, of the Tulsa race massacre and, uh, being a part of of the organizations um, to represent the survivors and and descendants, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it was just historic and and yeah, I'm just honored to 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 be in the number of advocates that's been on the front lines for years representing survivors and descendants, like uh, the late great Eddie Faye Gates who just passed away. Oh who was, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I have to just you know my condolences go out to to mm-hmm. the family and and very great Derek and yeah. and I mean you know that was a blow to the community. I know she was older, but it is because of her that we've been able to build on the work that she did to preserve um, the the stories of of these survivors and, right. and, and the history because this is something that was erased from the textbooks. There was a conspiracy of silence and she worked hard to preserve those stories and to document. And um, we should all be indebted to her. And, and I'm just grateful um, for her and the work she's done. I know she taught my dad. My dad said she was my teacher mm-hmm. when she was at Carver. I think she went to Edison, but um, definitely lost. She a, taught a lot of people. Definitely lost a legend uh, mm-hmm. a few days ago. Yeah, She's iconic. Black yes. female here in Tulsa, and, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. And so hopefully those stories will be continue to be preserved. I mm. know she had an exhibit in uh, the Gilcrease right. Museum, and, and I'm not sure now that they're getting ready to, to rebuild. I'm not sure exactly where. They'll have it. Mm-hmm. There's something to go mm-hmm. on as far as mm-hmm. honoring her and her legacy and things of that nature right there. Now, I want to just kind of step back a little bit. Let's go back to the centennial. Now, this is just my opinion, okay? I, now, you listeners out there, when the centennial took place, we had all of these high-profile people mm-hmm. here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, getting together. I even interviewed a few of them, Jesse Jackson, and, you know, all of them came into the radio station. And um, and I was saying to myself, and I was telling some others, well, Everybody's here, and it's like a celebration. And what's going to happen after everybody leaves? I said, when everybody leaves, we we are still here. And now everybody has left. And I don't know, maybe you know, maybe something has taken place around here in Tulsa since everybody's gone, you know. But I don't know if anything at all took place for as far as economic development or education, or uh, anything that all these high-profile people came here. Uh, Biden came here, and everybody came here. You know, and I'm saying to myself, wow, because you, you, as you know, you men, you saw each other quite a bit, and they left, and we're still traumatized here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, behind that massacre, 1921 massacre, and. Uh, I I just feel like some kind of I feel some kind of way about the outcome, you know. I'm thinking, oh man, we're gonna have these people come. They're gonna see Black Wall Street, and we're gonna have some things go on. And boy, they're gonna get together, unite, and we're gonna. Uh oh, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, and you know, your 
opinion and feelings. And, and are, that's just my opinion. You know, I, and, I, and I respect way. that. I, I I respect that, and uh, and 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 that was the fear, right? The fear was, you know, we're coming up on the 100 year anniversary, and everybody start getting their T-shirt shops together, and right, everybody exactly. start. Uh, getting information and, and, and this story will inspire you to do that. I mean, we have to remember we were more than just a massacre, you know, before the massacre, <laughs> we were a thriving economic enterprise. Oh man, we were a machine. Yeah. We didn't have to go outside of our community. Mm-hmm. And so we can't forget that portion of, of the story because a lot of times we focus on it and I do focus on it a lot because the only way to get to a place to where we can rebuild again is to acknowledge the truth and what happened and remedy the harm that was done. That's why you see us fighting uh, for reparation and, and for justice for these survivors. And, and let me be clear, that hasn't stopped. We had one mission and one mission only. And I can speak for, for myself and, um, you know, the people that were in our co- collective and coalition Mm-hmm. One mission and one mission only. We, the, the 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 ceremonial parts um, that had to happen because a lot of people came to Oklahoma for the first time and and learned about the story for the first time. And and, and so, um, but the mission was to make this our rally cry, to let them know that a crime took place here, Black Wall Street. The entire forty square blocks is still a crime scene. And if you open up your eyes when you come to Tulsa and if you walk around and look at south of Archer, south of the IDL and north of the IDL, that will tell the whole story. You Mm -hmm. don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take the Mario Solomon Simmons word for it, Chief Amazon Christie, but just open up your eyes and you will see that we still live in a tale of two cities and there's been a community that this city hasn't done right by. That's true. There's been a community that's been left behind. There's been a community that's been starved and stifled uh, by power structures in this city and in the state and in this country. And so our only mission was to tell the story and rally cry for justice. And that's why you saw us a few weeks in D.C. with the survivors, centenians, still screaming, please don't let me die without justice. And so that mission and that quest hasn't stopped. Nothing has changed. This was just another event. The centennial was just another action for us as activists and organizers and protesters to use it to continue to amplify the injustice that has taken place. And guess what? Nothing has stopped. We've been to D.C. Mm-hmm. several times you've afterwards. Been, you've been there. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking to the legislators, trying to get them to funnel funding into our community. That's what I'm talking about. Trying to get about. them to mm-hmm. designate this district uh, as a historical site so federal dollars can fund. We mm-hmm. have been doing maybe a lot. It's a, maybe it's a process. You know, it's a process well, that takes time to get things done, to get answers and things like that. I was so happy when I saw that... Uh, Transformation Church gave the survivors a uh, you know amount of funds and things of that nature right there, which will never replace uh, their loved ones and what they saw. Saw, but something, some type of restitution, or reparations, or, or something. The city has never been held accountable. The city yeah. of Tulsa is what I'm talking about. Basically, they've never done anything. 
they've never done anything. And everything that has been done has been community centered, exactly. community driven. Uh, Frontline soldiers out working. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of people that that's given here recently. I mean, even some of the white churches and white organizations, and 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 these are some churches that came together. No one knows about this, but white churches who actually their ancestors perpetrated the massacre, and they've been trying to reckon with their ancestors' history and and trying to figure out how they deal with with what they've done and so they were able to present the survivors uh after the centennial they didn't want to take up space and and met with them and presented each of them with a check for ten thousand dollars each and and that's a start and they want to continue to do more uh and they want to continue to be on the front lines pushing the very entities um that that robbed the community of their generational wealth that burnt down the community to push them um to to give us reparations. And, and so, you know, you have a mayor right now who says that reparations would be divisive, a mayor oh, that won't say yeah, that black yeah. lives matter, mm-hmm. a mayor uh, in a city that, that, that took up a black lives matter mural and understand that it's not about the paint. It's, it was never about the paint. Yeah, about the paint. It, it was about the message, the message and you telling us, even in your own community, we're not going to let you put that on on, on a street that we destroyed, you know, 100 years ago. And, and so we have some problems. And until we get on the same page and, and take a firm stand, an unapologetic stand um, for people to do right by us, then we're going to keep getting what we're getting. We have to stop acquiescing. We have to stop um, getting tired. Even mm-hmm. if we have to, like, pass the baton, you go rest a second, then I'll t- I'll get on the front line. We have to figure out how we create um, more participation amongst our own people. Yeah, getting yeah. involved, you know, and, and not allow. I mean, our own people to gaslight us and to make us think that we're crazy because we're taking a stand uh, for, for something right. that's righteous. You, you get what I'm saying, and, and we will play into that and fall into that, and people will have uh, a community thinking that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, for standing for right, for standing up for what's right, mm-hmm. and 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 so um, we have to we have to get there, and I believe that we're stronger together. And if we would all come together, do you think we're passive, a little bit more passive, and not as as aggressive as we need to be here in in Black Tulsa? Uh, yeah, I think we are. I think we are. Um, um, we we are passive and justifiably so. You know, I never say, well, the black people in Tulsa aren't doing enough because we got to look at systemic racism. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we we live in a food desert. Thank God for Oasis. Go shop at Oasis. Please my mom, go to Oasis. My dad is there, you know, once I, a week. I shop there. That's the only yeah. place I shop. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Once a week, making sure we support that grocery store. That's what we have to start doing first and foremost. But we live in a food desert. Um, black people are disproportionately pipelined into the criminal legal system. Mm-hmm. Our schools are under-resourced. We're dealing with mental health, and we don't understand what it is. We don't have black service providers to, to help us, and we're working on that, too. And so we're dealing with systemic racism. So you expect us to deal with systemic racism, a system that was designed to oppress. It was never designed to to to, to support us anyway. And then we ask, are we passive? When we've overcome 
400 years of slavery. We've overcome the Jim Crow era. We've overcome the civil rights era. We've dealt with mass incarceration. We're dealing with redlining. We're dealing with everything. And now are we, we're tired. We're tired. Basically we are. And I would like to say in speaking to some of our seniors who are still available, who are still living to pass this information on to our young people, because a lot of times our young people are not really getting the stories. They're not getting the stories. And we're standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. I had a a guy was in the barbershop one day, just kind of took a friend over there to get a haircut. And me and some young guys were going around and they were talking about, ah, the civil rights movement didn't do us no good. And uh, why? No need to vote. Why you vote? You know, those type of, uh, that type of mentality. And we went around and around in circles about you're standing on the shoulders of those who came before you. And those who bled and died and fought for for us to actually be deemed human, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And so if you don't vote for anything else because the system is rigged, vote for them because they, they, they did it. You know, we, we wouldn't be here today. If if somebody didn't uh, uh, take the Underground I, I, Railroad, I, I, hmm. we wouldn't be here today if, if uh, a lot of slaves didn't revolt. We mm-hmm. would not be here. And, and we don't have that mentality anymore. We don't have the mentality of what we saw on November the 18th when we said we're going to save our brother's life. There mm-hmm. was a small group of people ready to risk it all because we knew that an innocent man was, was getting ready to be murdered. You know, and we're doing it in the same vein of of this fight for Terrence Crutcher and Joshua Barre and Joshua Harvey. Mm -hmm. It's a continuation. It's a spirit that you have to have, you know, in order to to get on the front lines and say, I don't want this for my children's children. Somebody has to do it. And and, and I can't help but think about those soldiers and, and those little old women who walked to work for 385 days and, and, and boycotted the Montgomery buses and, and the young folks were telling them, you all, let's stop this, you know, stop. Mm-hmm. You all need to rest. And those little old ladies said, I don't feel no ways tired. Mm. We're going to keep walking. Don't worry about us. Right. We know what we're doing. And so we have to get uh, and, and cultivate that same spirit as those elders and, and those soldiers doing the civil rights movement mm-hmm. who freed us and liberated us, you know, and we're going backwards. Right, going backwards. Hey, Tiffany, let's go to the phone lines. I think we got someone that wants to speak, and let's see who it is right quick, okay? All right, let's see. Who do we have here? Area code 602-332. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. Greetings. My name is Pastor Don Jr. CEO, and I love what Sister's saying, and she is right. I love what you're doing, Bobby Eden. I've been on your show several thousand times, so I know okay. for a fact that 2022 is going to be our year. The the lights are on. Now off, on. That's yeah. all I have to say. The lights all are right. on. Well, awesome. Thank you it's for calling high. in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. All right. Yeah, if you'd like to talk to Dr. Crutcher right here, you can dial 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button here on the Bobby Eaton Show. 
So uh, move, moving forward a little bit, now we sh- we're towards in the middle of uh, this year, right? Is that where we at? You think we're yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're with you. Yeah, we're in the middle, so we, you know, we have to kind of stay there uh, for a while. The centennial, we, you know, we did a thing. You know, we we uh, hosted the Black Wall Street Legacy Fest, bunch of community oh, yeah. organizations. Like you said, people came from all over, and and and. Rightfully so. We got to remember that 10,000 people were displaced all over the nation. There's a Greenwood diaspora, mm-hmm. people all over. And so they came home. We called it homecoming. And people just wanted to come and, and just step foot on, on, on sacred ground and, and be a part of uh, commemorating and honoring and showing deference um, to the ancestors. And I think we did that. And um it was beautiful to highlight the pioneers. Yeah, it was. Um, but- Speaking of the pioneers, uh, Miss Fletcher and some of the others, uh, how are they feeling today? They're doing good. I mean, Mother Randall mm-hmm. just turned 107 on November the 10th. 107. Had a beautiful drive-by birthday party and all uh, of that, huh? Yeah, her kids were there. We were there. The Thunder Fellows were there to, wow. to yeah help out, and so just. Just she's doing good. Mother Fletcher and Uncle Red, they just went to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Lakers basketball game in OKC. And so they they get around They're They're world renowned travelers. They went to mm. to Africa, um, to yeah. Ghana. And Did they give you any kind of report from Africa. Well, we followed it the whole way there. Yeah. I mean, we saw it on social media. Yeah, all right. I mean, they were like dignitaries mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Met with the president. I mean, it was just uh, yeah, amazing. Tell our audience what part of Africa. They went to Ghana. Ghana. They went to Ghana, yeah, at 107 and 100 years old. They had the best doctors traveling with them. Mm-hmm. Just just amazing. That's great. And That's so great. I've been up to see Mother Randall and I try to spend time with her on Sundays because mm-hmm. like you said, it's not, it wasn't just for um, this 100 year anniversary. We've been serving for Mother Randall for a while. We mm-hmm. restored her home. Mm-hmm. You know I what I mean? when you guys did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what she wanted. And, and uh, so we served them, we honor them and, and we have to, you know, it's bittersweet because of course the city should be doing all of this, but they didn't do it back then. No. We had to solicit the help of 50 other black townships. And so in that same vein, in that same spirit, you know, we came together and we gave Mother Randall what she wanted. We've given uh, these survivors a little bit of solace. It will never, you know, the, the money that transformation gave, the money that Justice for Greenwood uh, gave, uh, the work that we've done as a community to build them up and love on them. Um can never undo what they endured, the trauma that they endured, the the fear, the terror, you know, and and so um, the community coming together provides the family and these survivors with just a little bit of solace. That was awesome. Uh, what transformation did you know, during that time? Everybody was like, boom, Pastor Todd and his organization, because they yes. did so much. So many great things. I mean, here recently, uh, they even helped us over here at uh, uh, the radio station. So 
I, you know, shout out to Pastor Mike Todd, Transformation Mike Todd. Church. Yes. But you know what? I got to give a shout out to Demario Solomon Simmons and Justice for Greenwood, who oh, gave for sure. all the survivors one hundred thousand dollars each. Actually, more than that. Yeah. So they've done it too, and Justice for Greenwood gave churches all the churches that were around during the the yeah. the, the massacre. So you got several organizations. Three thousand dollars, but 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 um. So so as Pastor Mike said. We can do this. It's going to take us. It's going to take the community. It's going to take the church, you know, uh, do it. And we've been doing it, you know. And mm-hmm. so I'm just grateful that, like Mike said, when we help other people, we help ourselves. I mean, it's just we're building an ecosystem where we don't have to uh, acquiesce, you know, and, and, and go along to get along uh, for what's due us. And so the work that they're doing, they're helping us. Yeah. Do the work of North Tulsa, the work that Justice for Greenwood is doing, they're helping us. The work that the Terrence Crutcher Foundation is doing and the Black Wall Street Chamber and, and so the, many other organizations are working. I mean, there's just you know. so many what you're doing here. And so, um, you know, we have to keep it up. And if we just take note, I don't care if it's big or small, you know, we've been giving micro grants for the last few years oh we yeah give you have what we have and i commend you for that you know god put it in your spirit mm-hmm. to go out and help others you give it away you know help others yeah you know? it, yeah we have to build power and mm-hmm. so i you know i'm i'm still in awe you know uh transformation church they gave away seven million dollars um to to just People on the ground, no oh, strings attached. I've seen them just giving people cars and things cars, like that. Who just, needed them? So uh, books, uh, them. a bunch of books. One lady got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of educational series of books and just something as simple as that. Yeah, you know. But it's just amazing. It's amazing when you have resources that you can help somebody with. You know, mm-hmm. provide. And I commend you on what you're doing with the Terrence Crutcher Foundation. You guys are knocking it down, you know, and it's a Thank blessing. You. It's a blessing, and uh, I want you to to continue. Uh, su- well, we you need support. Yeah, we do. More and more support. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's what's needed with a lot of our organizations. They mm-hmm. need the support. So if you're at home here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, around the globe, and uh, you, uh, Tiffany, just. Tell them a website or something, a a contact phone number or something, how they can support you. Yeah, there's so many ways. You can just simply go to our our website, TerrenceCrutcherFoundation.org, and I've seen Terrence's name spelled so many different ways. So I'm going to spell it out. It's T-E-R-E-N-C-E, CrutcherFoundation.org. So uh, you can go there. You can donate. You can, even if you don't have the means to donate. You can donate your time. You can volunteer with us. As a matter of fact, this Saturday, we will be back uh, mm-hmm. on the ground uh, knocking doors through our initiative uh, called Community Walks. Uh, we believe that it's important to get proximate to the people we're serving, not just put together a program and throw money, but to, mm-hmm. like you said, get to know uh, our neighbors. And we're going to all the districts this this. This this weekend we'll be in North Tulsa. We'll be around the 46th in in MLK area, just knocking doors. And so if if you would like to come and walk with us, uh, we're gonna do a brief training uh, at our office. Give away free T-shirts. We're gonna provide lunch uh, and breakfast, bre- breakfast and lunch. 
but but come and get to know your neighbors, get involved, get engaged. Um, but TerrenceCrutcherFoundation.org, you can sign up uh, for community walks and stay engaged with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. We're going to take a little pause for the calls. They say, hey, I got to pay these bills over here. So you guys uh, stick around uh, while we're on this break. 646-716-5525. Press that one button. Dr. Tiffany Crutcher is in the house and uh, a lot of great information. So grab a pencil and a paper and come on back. We'll be right back. So stick around. All right. Searching for ways to grow your business, or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Did you know that sickle cell disease affects people from all races and ethnicities? Sickle cell disease can look like you, and sickle cell disease can look like me. You can carry the sickle cell trait and never even know it. The state of Oklahoma and supporters of families with sickle cell disease incorporated are invested in educating Oklahomans about sickle cell disease and other inherited blood disorders and traits. For more information, visit us at www.oksickleinfo.org. Advertising the Salsa Black Owned Business Guide. It's a monthly publication reaching all of Oklahoma and beyond, giving exclusive content about your business and many businesses that are connected to you. Full page and half pages are available. Purchase and artwork are due on the 25th of each month. Visit us online right now at www.tulsabobn.com for more details. Or email us right now at tulsabobn at gmail.com for pricing. We're ready for life beyond COVID-19, beyond boundaries. It's time to move beyond, connect beyond, celebrate beyond live beyond and the vaccine is our best shot at getting there get your free vaccine at vaccinate918.com today brought to you by the tulsa health department searching for ways to grow your business or perhaps you would like to invest in tulsa's african-american community the black wall street chamber of commerce is a great place to start The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hey, it's Alfred Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. 
That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. Peace and black power. This is the prince of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Umar Johnson. Whenever I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm listening to The Bobby Eaton Show, 89.9 FM KBOB. For news, information, and critical analysis, The Bobby Eaton Show, that's where Dr. Umar hangs out. Hey, this is Ralph Johnson of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and whenever I'm in Tulsa, I'm tuning in to KTOB 89.9 on the FM. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lester Troutman. It's Zab Troutman. And when we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we always listen to... Hi, this is Abdul Raouf of the SOS Band. And when we're in Tulsa, we listen to KBOB. 89.9 FM. Yo, this is Gary Little G. Jenkins Lee, singer from the multi-platinum R&B group Silk. And you're listening to KBOB 89.9 FM. Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show. I'm here every Monday and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and on Saturdays from 12 to 2 p.m. This radio station is for you. It's a community radio station, and you can access us by going to kbob899.com is our website. We are taking donations over here at the community radio station. Stop by 1533 North Norfolk. Uh, Avenue, or you can cash app us at Eaton Media Services, or you can um, just, you know, whatever way is comfortable for you in your spirit, if however you're led to to help us out. Keep in mind, Juice Radio Show. Oh, man, we love these children and these youth. Uh, Juice Radio Show, a bunch of intellectual, uh, I say, young African-American students who come in here every Thursday night, 6 p.m., and they do radio their way. Uh, hey, I even learned something from them, you know, when they come in here. I learned a little bit, but hey, they're uh, headed up by Ramal, a hometown heat, my home, my homeboy, and uh, my son, uh, Bobby Trey Eaton III, and uh, we're putting it together. We're trying to do some things. We've got a fundraiser going on for uh, our trips we're going to be taking. Uh, well, they're going to be taking. Going to We're going to take them all to New York. We're going to take them all to Atlanta. So we're raising funds for that. And uh, we're just, just trying to do something in the community. You know, I'm always talking about if you don't have the money, volunteer to do something. You know, cut Miss Johnson's yard. Go and uh, volunteer to mentor a young person, single-parent mom or something, you know. Uh, just do something. Just don't sit around and do nothing. You know, because sometimes people want to sit around and do nothing, but they want to complain uh, about things, and they're not doing nothing at all. I was in that barbershop, and there were some of those those guys complaining and complaining. I said, what do you do? 
What do you do? It's easy to sit back and complain about this, talk about this person. This person needs to be, our elected officials need to be doing this and doing that when you don't even support them and vote. You know, you 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 don't even vote, so you really don't have a voice. So that's what it's all about. Well, Miss Tiffany, uh, you got some announcements, some things you like to uh, talk about right here. So go ahead and uh, let our audience know what's going on. Yeah, lots going on. You know, it's it's, it's definitely been an amazing year. Um, you know, bittersweet. But, you know, we, we've done everything that we set out to do. I believe that goal writing is very important, and you have to write the vision and make it plain. And, and, and I remember uh, making the declaration when, when Betty Shelby was acquitted that night. We had to respond to the world, and I made a promise that night that I wouldn't rest. I remember because I was here, too. I seen it. Yeah. yeah I, I witnessed the whole thing. Yeah, didn't want to go out there, but, mm-hmm. you know. They told me I needed to go and at least mm-hmm. say something. Mm-hmm. And I said I wouldn't rest. And so a few months you later, haven't rested. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. we started the Terrence Crutcher Foundation. And, um, you know, this past September, we commemorated five years. And Has it been that long? Five years since he was killed. Oh, my God. September 16th, okay. we were at. Uh, 36th Street North Event Center. Shout out to Charles and Damali. Damali, you know, news you can use, uh, my sister and brother. Um, But we did a candlelight visual on on that day right on the street where he was killed. We couldn't really go down the road because it was too dark, nowhere to park. So we decided to do it at least uh, on on that street this past September. I was actually in Washington, D.C., did a press conference, a national press conference there, uh, asking the Department of Justice to reopen up the case against Betty Shelby um, because Donald Trump was in office at the time and they closed down the Civil Rights Division. Uh, they said they weren't going to, you know, investigate police officers or police departments. And so we just don't feel like we got a fair, you know, investigation. Is that what they said? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they rolled back the entire civil rights division. A lot of career attorneys left the Department of Justice. And so, um, you know, we've asked this administration to take another look and to look into Tulsa's police department and investigate the practice and patterns. Like you say, nothing has changed. I mean, we're we're seeing it every single day. And so, you know, maybe they need a little help. Maybe they need a little nudge to do what's right. We, we can no longer check the box and say we're doing community policing and we're not. You may have an officer like Donnie Johnson here or there or Marcus Harper, but like we have to change the culture of, of how we police. And, and there's something called procedural justice. That's what true community policing is, actually making sure that when officers hit the ground, they police Black communities, so the same way they police Utica Square. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so, um, so we, we've, the foundation, we, we, we set goals, and this year we have reached our five year benchmark, our, you know, and we, we got office space. We're located in the Greenwood Cultural Center, um, and we're gr- outgrowing that. We've expanded the team. 
You know, I have a new deputy director, Shada Brown. Shout out, Shada, if you're listening. Oh, uh, yeah, Shada. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I met her before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fernande, Fern, our executive mm-hmm. assistant. Fernande. Yeah. He's a trooper. Yeah. Yeah, Paige Clark, our, our development and communications director. And and we have Brandon um, uh, Warren, who's our, our new policy fellow. Okay. And, and we have Aurelius Francisco, who... Uh, was with Aurelius. us. He's been on yeah, here before. He was, uh, yeah, he was here. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, before he graduated. But he's still doing some part-time work with us. He's in Chicago, uh, you know, getting a master's degree. And so our team has truly grown. Our, our board members are, are amazing. You know, we have Greg Robinson on our board. Greg, Nate Morris shout out to Greg. On mm-hmm. our board. I mean, DeMario is our legal counsel. I mean, I can go on and on. We have attorney uh, Daryl Parks, um, who... Uh, is the board chair? Well, that's a lot. You got Scott a lot. Gar- Pastor Scott Gordon is on the board. Oh, Virginia Scott. Walker. Yeah, he's over here all the time. Yeah, yeah. Ray Owens. Pastor Ray Owens is on the board. We have mm-hmm. a really solid organization that's really doing uh, great work in, in in the community. And so again, we've launched community walks this weekend. It's our last round of community walks for the year. Um, and so we're just going around asking the community. You know, you know, to get involved, huh? to get involved. But, you know, we want to know how they feel. What do you want for your community? You know, and we've heard things from, you know, we need our streets fixed or we want better educational systems. We want extracurricular for our students. Um, we got a lot of stray cats and dogs. I mean, we've right. heard so many things. We need to do something with our community of, of our neighbors who don't have homes. You know, what can you do there? So we've we got a lot of homeless walking around. Yeah, 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 we do. I've we noticed do. that uh, over here in this area where mm-hmm. I'm at, I you know where the quick trip is at Pine and Peoria, mm-hmm. there's a lot of traffic of homeless. If you go down Peoria, you'll see them walking all up and down Peoria. Yeah, and and we just mm-hmm. want some solutions. So there's some organizations trying to you know find you know housing you know for for our unhoused neighbors. And so uh, we're just we're doing our community walks and uh, we're we're also, uh, you know, the end of the year, we always try to do something around Christmas time, but we're going to be doing some random acts of kindness. You know, mm-hmm. we planned this a while back. And so we don't know, just stay tuned. We may see you in the grocery store mm-hmm. and, and pay for your groceries or, I mean, we're going to be doing some things. So you all will hear more about it this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we just, I mean, we believe that when we help our, our neighbors, that's how you strengthen um, the community, which is it's one of true. our pillars. And, and we released a report, Bobby, uh, uh, a report called Our Generational Vision for Justice and Liberation. You talked about how do we get back to where we used to be. And get back. this report is the blueprint. The Terrence Crutcher Foundation, go to the website, take a look at it. We cast a vision for how we want our communities and our cities to be 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And And so... Um, I mean, we're looking at alternatives to policing and breaking the school to prison pipeline and figuring out how we deal uh, with the mental health crises and how do we create pathways of economic mobility and and jobs um, and and those uh, foundational assets that we don't have. That's why we have so many people walking around without housing. True. You know, and and so, um, you know, I highly recommend that you all go and, and look at this report is something that I'm very, very proud of because it came from the, the, the community. It was community centered. We asked 
our neighbors. We talked to people like Chief Amasan and mm-hmm. and, and, and and I saw him yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Vanessa, you know, Christy, uh, yeah. Harper yeah. and and Christy and and so many people in the community. Um, Mama Joyce, uh, Representative Regina Goodwin. Mm-hmm. We talked to everybody, and we did um, a rigorous landscape assessment and said, what do you want your community to look like? Where are the gaps? Where are the deficiencies? What do we need? And and we outlined, and, and it centers around criminal justice, but criminal the criminal justice system is starving uh, education. You know, they're so busy building prisons and jails and, 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 and making money off of that, that we're not funneling the money into where it needs to go. Right. So we can have a thriving community. Pri- privately owned. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have a petition. We're still demanding that the city do right by us. Mm-hmm. We haven't went anywhere. You may have seen an op-ed mm-hmm. uh, where we talked to Mayor Bynum. We're still demanding justice How for my family. How is he responding to all of this, Mayor Bynum? Um, I mean, just the same way he's always responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no action at one point. I mean, so so you have to really like he made us promises. Mm-hmm. He made us promises. When he first got elected, there was a different type. There was a di- different type of mayor Bynum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's a whole different type of mayor Bynum. Yeah, 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 yeah. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, right here, because he was over here on the radio. Then and talking and we were talking about community and things and there was a different conversation. But now he won't even come on the radio over here. Yeah, you know, I remember when he got elected, he came to our house. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would write dad letters. And, he was, yeah. You know, he said, "What happened to your son will not happen on my watch." Mm-hmm. And he said, "It will be my duty as mayor to make sure I seek justice and get justice for the Crutcher family and for his community." And he has walked those words back. I mean, even on the 99th anniversary, after the George Floyd protest, we sat down with him for three hours. Mm -hmm. He made promises to us um, that he has yet to keep. Um, And so, uh, you know, you should be the mayor for all people. Mm -hmm. And and, and you should be a man of your word. And, you know, we did sit down with him a few times, my family. And he told me, if I were you and, you know... I had a twin, I would be doing the same thing. But yet, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. If bad I were news. you, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I think he understands that my fight is righteous. Um, you know, I left a career, I left a whole life, and I came back home because I believed that my community needed me more, and this fight needed me more, and I made that promise um, that I would not rest, and so. Um, I'm going to continue to honor that that promise and and really try to fulfill Terrence's it's, prophecy. It's your mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I'm being obedient to 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 God. And so, you know, we want people to go and sign our petition. It's online. Go to the website. Um, and what's the website again? TerrenceCrutcherFoundation.org. T E R E N C E CrutcherFoundation.org. And and uh, this this next thing. I am really excited about Black Mental Health Matters. We've been talking oh, about mental goodness. health. I have found I preach five, about that all the time. I have found five black owned, black led mental health service providers here in Tulsa. Here in Tulsa. We need a facility. We are going to introduce them to the community. Uh the Crutcher Foundation, we're gonna start working with them. 
more closely because bring them over here. We're know. gonna bring them over here. We're gonna have them do community trainings on how to respond to crises within our own community um, mm-hmm. without calling the police. Uh, we're gonna educate them on the services that they mm-hmm. provide. So uh, I'm excited to uh, introduce them to our community because mental health has been taboo. It is serious uh, in our community, but it is so needed. And, you know, now people are starting to understand the need. COVID has done a number on the issues that we already had as a community. And and so, um, you know, just stay tuned um, to our social media for, you know, our, our black mental health town hall in the spring. And we have, that is something mm -hmm. that's very serious. That's a serious mental health is a serious issue in our community. Mm-hmm. You can have a fancy car, live in a fancy home, and still need therapy and mental health to be dealing with things like that. Just because you got a bed to sleep in and everything seems like it's, like it's cool don't mean you don't need some type of mental health. Because, I, I mean, I see it all the time because when we say mental health in our community, we think about that person walking up and down the street, right. you know, uh, dirty and stuff like that. Oh, he's crazy. She's crazy. But we all could use some mental health in some kind of yeah. areas of our life. I'm going to tell you, after Julius Jones, it, it really messed me up mentally, mm-hmm. knowing that we were down to the wire. Um, but, and, and, and that right there, that. I hate to say it, but that crooked governor waited till the very last minute to have everybody on edge, you know, before he made his decision. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was horrible. Yeah. Just imagine how Julius is feeling. He he did uh, put a statement out today. And what did he, what was his statement? Uh, let me read the statement. Let me just read the statement. Yeah, because really he, uh, I mean, stit. Waited until everybody was on edge, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And so all of a sudden he said what he said because um, he said, Julius Jones, I know most everyone was overjoyed that I am still alive. Um, he said, I was devastated. It's not that I want to die. No, I wish to live life to the fullest. I'm just tired of being caged and subjected to the wicked whims of those in power who claim righteousness put forth blatant deceit with prejudice and call it prayerfully thought out justice and that was a part of a letter um from julius jones and that's that's a quote but he's he's struggling because you know he didn't want to live if he was going to have to live caged up i mean that's that's no life yeah. He's been locked up for 22 years and are you going to leave him in there till yeah. he dies or something yeah, mm-hmm. and he's maintained his, his innocence, but w- what we're saying is, uh, you know, I think, think C.C. Uh, Jones Davis said it best, where there's life, there's hope. Mm-hmm. And when there's hope, you can still fight another day. And so it's not over. There's uh, uh, another governor could overturn. Well, we, we well, don't even think that the, the what Governor Stitt has done is legally binding. Okay. You know, there are some policies. I've talked with Demario and some of the lawyers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a group that I serve hats on the board. Hats off to Demario. Yeah, mm-hmm. hats off to Demario. Shout out. He's doing some phenomenal, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. phenomenal work uh, in our community. Um, and he, he doesn't get the credit, but he has taken on the mantle. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate him so much what he's doing for the survivors and the descendants through 
the Justice for Greenwood Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma Policy actually put out a blog or a policy around what the governor did and also Oklahomans for criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. And right. so um, there, I think there's a pathway. Yeah. There's a pathway where we, we still okay. have hope. Let's go to the phone lines. I think we got somebody right here. Area code 918-402. Uh, You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. Good evening. Good evening, beautiful people. Oh. Chief, I'm a shine here. I just, hey, I've, been, I've been enjoying listening. <laughs> How's everybody? Hey, my I'm, brother. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it simple. First of all, I appreciate, um, I mean, like you you talked about people who are underappreciated. I appreciate you, Bobby, for creating this outlet, right, that we have not had in a long time. Well, thank and we you, certainly haven't had one that's, we haven't had one that's independent. So this is, this is a remarkable work that you've done, and I appreciate you and, and the young people that you work with in creating your own legacy. I, I deeply appreciate uh, Sister Tiffany Crutcher, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, and her family for legacy making, right? You know, we, we talk about people like Amos, uh, Amos T. Hall and, you know, B.C. Franklin, Ben Hill. We talk about all these legacy greats, Eddie Faye Gates, all of these people. We got people amongst us who are creating legacies right now. And, you know, even when I look at Eddie Faye Gates, you know, she didn't get enough appreciation. And yeah. I think it's important that we appreciate the people who are fighting, yeah, who are fighting for us and doing this work without, without, without thanks oftentimes, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to take advantage of this moment while, you, while we're on the air. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I appreciate what uh, uh, Dr. Crutch is doing in relationship to seeking out these health, mental health uh, experts. And, you know, I'd like to say this. I, I hope because we, we tend to we tend to focus on ourselves so much that we re-traumatize ourselves, not thinking about the fact that we're dealing with people who have a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. We don't even examine it. Anti-blackness, racism, mm-hmm. those things are mental disorders. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. And we happen to be getting educated by people, getting mental health care by people who collectively – are stuck with a mental disorder and have never been diagnosed. Wow. We've had people like Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. We've had people like Amos Wilson, Bobby Wright, all these great black psychologists who have talked about what that is. And mm. we have to go to the source of our collective problem and deal with that collective mental disorder, even when we talk about policing. They're treating this thing like a plantation, literally, not hypothetically, Literally, they're treating it like a plantation where you don't need a white overseer. You go find you a black one. Mm. Wow. You let that one run the plantation. Mm-hmm. Then you ain't got to do much else. In the meantime, you create code laws, right, like slave mm-hmm. code laws, where you can run over protesters when you feel threatened. Or you can mm. do a Kyle Rittenhouse, bring your AR-15, and attack people who are protesting and using their amendment rights. They say to wow. us. We are, re, we are re, re-solidifying plantation politics. And it's so wow. deep that those who have been conditioned to be slaves don't even recognize how <laughs> subtle the re-enslavement it practice is, like hitting us on legislative levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, this is our version of alternative policing. We gonna Policy violence. Policy violence. Yes. That's it. 
those are the things we have to examine. Otherwise, we're going to be attacking symptoms for the remainder of our days. So we use them black psychologists and we or psych, or mental health workers, and we say, well, how do you analyze anti-blackness and racism? How do you, what, is, what kind of mental disorder is that? How do you diagnose that? So that we can look at that and say, I have a source to my problem. And the mm-hmm. only way I can fix it, right, is to address the source of the problem. That's why come Mayor G.T. Bynum does not have to keep his word. You got to have right. a whole legacy he has to uphold. Mm-hmm. I, I have to keep my word first and foremost to my, <laughs> to my legacy and my yes. ancestors and what we have built here. What we stole here, we have to maintain that. And we have to convince you and make you fight over the fact of whether or not you need reparations. Hmm. Plantation policy. Wow. So I just want to thank you all so much for just digging into this. Well, so, man, so I we're going to have one. some open minds, some brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, I want to also thank you for all the hard work and the things you do in yes, our communities, yes. man. Uh, shout out to you, Chief, you know, for, well, for working and being in those trenches and being on those front lines. I call you one of the front line soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, continue doing what you're doing, man, because uh, you encourage a lot of Absolutely. us, a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. Yeah, and Absolutely. I will say, right, well, you talk y'all. about, Chief, I just have to say this, we talk about people honoring the survivors and the Eddie Faye Gates, but you're, you're in that space. I mean, I mean, you showed me what it looked like to honor uh, mm-hmm. survivors and uh, the ancestors and, and the descendants. And so you, you are in that number uh, of people and, and, and uh, legacy makers who, who deserve flowers right now. And, and so thank you for all that you do and uh, the support that you provide um, our foundation, my family, uh, this community, um, you know, you don't get it enough. And that's why we honored you at our gala uh, a couple of years ago, because we saw it, my family sees it, you know, and my mom saw it. And so just thank you so much. Oh, yeah, man. Get by here and see me, man. Take some help. Come on by here and see me. All right. Y'all take care. Have a beautiful night. All right. Take care. I achieved to something else. Isn't yeah, it was awesome. Pleasant yeah. surprise. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. He's a warrior. That's what I can say. In the army. So, therefore, so we've uh, going to the White House. What was that like? <laughs> what was it? What was it really, really like? Now I heard that some people wouldn't even visit with you, and some did visit with you. So was it is that true? Uh, which time I've been well, a few the, times what, this year. What um, about with the with the uh, with the uh, survivors? Oh yeah, I mean, did we, everybody show up? Yeah, everybody showed up. So um, the the trip with the survivors, it was just specifically to meet the vice president. That's what it was, Kamala Harris. Yes, Kamala Harris, and it was a beautiful meeting. Um, what was uh, she like? What was she like? I mean, just how she is on on television, very welcoming. You know, always giggling. Yeah, she giggles a lot. Yeah, she giggles a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she's Demario's cousin. You know, they. Oh, really? They, yeah, they found out that they were related, and I think they knew it on uh, Demario's. I think uh, dad side of Simmons, and so uh, it was beautiful to see that that relationship. And mm-hmm. you know, I've met with her before because you know when she was a candidate, 
Uh, I met with her to press her on uh, my policy agenda of policing and Mm -hmm. asked her, you know, what are you going to do once you get elected? And so, of course, she remembered me and um, she was just, you know, a beautiful person inside and out, you know, so um, just cool. She loved on the survivors, was very attentive, got down on her knees and tied, you know, Uncle Red's shoes. And it it was just beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, really great meeting. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, And so when I went the last time, I was, you know, really trying to meet back with Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, to you know, see where we are. I was tired of being sold wolf tickets and he did not meet with me. One of his aides met with me. He decided to go home, but Senator Booker, he came out and came downstairs and Tim got Tim Scott, me. what do you think about Tim Scott? Uh, I think he um, doesn't represent black people. Oh, wow. um, that's what I was getting ready to say. Um, the way that he should as mm-hmm. a black man who's been racially profiled by uh, law enforcement and he uses that. He will let you know I've been pulled over. Um, but he wouldn't even the second time come down and talk and, and he, he hasn't really been truthful about how everything went down. And and that was disheartening because we poured out our hearts in his office. We, we did, uh, I was there with the families of George Floyd and, uh, Eric Garner and, and, uh, Botham John, and we all were in there pouring out our hearts and he lied to us and and so that was hard and I called him when I got back home after I heard that you know the bill had failed and you know I said look I need to talk to Senator Scott uh he needs to call me back and he has he never did to call me back but but Cory Booker has Cory Bush she met with me Representative Cory Bush uh Representative Sheila Jackson Lee always answers the call yeah. and always rolls she was, up the, she's down yeah yeah we were in on a um uh, the Judiciary um, Committee, and she stopped the meeting and acknowledged me on on the floor. Okay, you know, and um, so we've we've met with everybody, and then of course uh, the White House. I mean, we met with all of of the White House team. With, Was with, the food any good, or did you get a chance to eat there? It's just. I mean, they have cafeterias. Yeah, this, yeah. I'm just asking. You know. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we were on the West Wing planning. You know, Nehemiah Frank was with me, Greg Robinson, and we met with, you know, the team and with, with uh, the senior advisors with Cedric Richmond and Susan Rice, Ambassador Rice, and mm-hmm. and Dana Ramos, the White House. I mean, we've, you know, met with all of their, their um, communications people. I mean, it's 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 cool to see um, the diversity in the White House right now, and 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 that they know you um, by name, and so mm-hmm. uh, and that you can call the White House when you need something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to 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 be able to say, hey, this is what's happening in Tulsa. What can you do? Can you set me up a meeting? Can you take this person's resume? So it's good to have those relationships, um, and, and they're really trying to do better, but. Uh, we have so much work to do. I just read where where President Biden decided that he wouldn't cancel student loan debt. That's 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 a problem. That's yeah, a problem. it is. It sounds like a problem to me because yeah. that's it hinders a whole lot of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that debt right there. That's like oh my goodness. You graduate and you now you owe a hundred thousand. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, and, and and you can't even get a job in the field that you went to college for. No, you can't, and there's so many people that they graduate out of their skill set. Yeah. You know, uh, when they graduate, they can't find that job, you know. Yeah. I know a lot of people, a few people come over here, African-Americans, they graduated in communications, mm-hmm. and there's no place for them to go. Just can't go anywhere, no place for them to go, so they end up doing something, you know, something else it's crazy it's too crazy yeah too crazy you know we definitely have to 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 figure this out because midterms are coming up and you know we showed up and showed out and got president biden and in there and he's just not making good on his promises his promises and it's not going over well with with his his base so we're going to be in for a world of hurt. His approval rating has really, really dropped, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, and, and I don't think yeah. it's just him per se, but I think it's the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and he inherited a mess from yeah. Donald Trump. He really, really did. Yeah, and, he did. Kind of so, like, kinda like uh, Obama did with Bush. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And inherited a whole big mess. And so it's almost like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's done some great things. He got infrastructure passed and you know, he's been releasing funds. I know kids are getting food vouchers. I mean, stimulus checks are rolling out. Uh, we have this Build Back Better plan. But my issue with that is, does it ever trickle down to the people on the ground? Who need it? Who who need it? You know, we have these power structures that are controlling all of the funding and the same usual suspects. They get to continue to build on their programs and organizations like yours and Chiefs and mm-hmm. And mine and, and, and grassroots, we have to continue to do a lot with less. And that money could really help us serve our communities better if if, if they just kind of helped us build capacity. It would actually help the municipalities save money to have these people on ground. And so we've been really pushing um, the city of Tulsa. You've been a part of the coalition that mm-hmm. we started to give us a slice of the pie. There are billions of dollars coming down and we just want our part so we can do our work. And so we've finally gotten to a place where hopefully um, we can put together a shared plan and figure out how we can um, get some of that money dispersed out to community organizations who are are doing the work to help with uh, community care, harm reduction, mental health, um, um, you know, getting our kids back where they need to be uh, from the pan- pandemic as it relates to literacy and math, like like what you're doing over here with the station, mm-hmm. that helps allowing them to to speak and to to enhance their communication skills. That's what it's all about. Yes, you know, because we live in a technical age now, and we must have. I'm always, I'm a firm believer. You got to have more black communications. Not just one or two radio stations, have several radio stations, have several TV uh, shows and things. When I cut on the cable, I see other races with several different platforms. They got the Hispanics got a lot of stuff going on over there. The Asians got some things going on. Uh, Social media is free to advertise your businesses. So I want to encourage a lot of our African-American businesses to advertise, you know, communications, marketing, sales is so important to get our word out. That's why we're sitting up here right now. 
you know, because it's, it's important that somebody's sitting out there right now listening to everything that we're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's important to get that education, get that knowledge, help somebody, give out phone numbers. Speaking of phone numbers and, and websites, give it to us one more time. Yeah, if you want to just call the foundation, uh, area code 539-867-1304. That's our office number. Terrence Crutcher Foundation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the, the, the website is TerrenceCrutcherFoundation.org. That's T-E-R-E-N-C-E, CrutcherFoundation.org. Uh, you can reach us there. Sign up. Volunteer. Come walk with us Saturday. Uh, we're going to be. What time? Uh, we, we kick off at the Greenwood Cultural Center. We're asking everybody to show up, sign in at, at 945. We're going to serve breakfast. We're going to give a brief training for those of you who haven't canvassed before or knocked doors, and then we're going to take it to the streets and and we're going to get out there and uh, we'll be doing some random acts of kindness uh, on that day as well. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Who is Tiffany Crutcher? Tiffany Crutcher is a sister. Uh, she is an aunt. She is a grand aunt. She is a daughter of... of uh, Reverend Joey and Leanna Crutcher, the late Leanna Crutcher. I am a descendant of enslaved Africans. I am a descendant of Rebecca Brown Crutcher, uh, who was a survivor of the Tulsa race massacre. Uh, I am a servant, a community servant. I've always known that from when I was a little girl. I was always trying to help the underdog. I was always mm. uh, loving on my brothers and fighting them at the same time. But at the end of the day, I could fight them, but don't mess with my brothers. I'm going to jump in. I was the only girl. Um, And and just someone who just loves hard, you know, um, and and I'm loyal. And so it hurts me when, you know, that's not reciprocated. But I get it sometimes, you know. I always tell people you're not going to outlove me. You're not going (laughs) to outgive me. Uh And you're not going to outfriend me. And and I just kind of flow in those principles and, you know, I try to give through the pain and through the trauma and you're still going to get, you know, uh, something different and, and it's okay. Long as you control what you're doing. So, um, that is who I am, you know, a community servant, someone, uh, who is just simply trying to, um, change the trajectory of what my brother had to go through. Um, and I consider myself a disruptor. <laughs> I'm a disruptor. And, and Sounds familiar to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When we talk about making, having impact, what does impact really mean? It means colliding with another object and disrupting it if you really want to have impact. And so what are we disrupting here? We're disrupting systems. Again, we talked about this, that continue to leave our community behind. You know, Mm -hmm. um, we have to disrupt systems of oppression. We have to disrupt mass incarceration. We have to disrupt police brutality. We have to disrupt the school to prison pipeline. You know, if we really want our community to change and we want to get back to that, you have to be a disruptor. You have to have impact. And so if what you're doing isn't having an impact or causing impact, it means you're not disrupting anything what are you willing to disrupt to affect transformational change and so i would say that uh i'm a transformer and a disruptor 
and, and I'm loyal to my community and I'm unapologetic in what I believe in and I'm deeply rooted in what I believe. And I believe based on what I've read about, uh, based on where I come from, um, that we can thrive again, that we can have power, you know, that we can shift atmospheres. And, and, and so I'm deeply rooted in what I believe. And if you're not deeply rooted, when the wind blows, you will blow away with it. And so you have to get deeply rooted uh, in your beliefs and, and stand firm for something or you're, you'll fall for anything. Oh, I've heard mm-hmm. that one before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, look here. I want to thank you, Tiffany, for taking time out of your busy schedule, which we all know uh, you're a busy bee, you mm-hmm. work a bee, you know, mm-hmm. for coming over here, getting on the Bobby Eaton show where we tell our stories our way. And this is one place you're always welcome, and you know that. Absolutely. You know, you come over here and um, a lot of great information. Greenwood Cultural Center this Saturday, right? This Saturday, show up nine forty-five. Sign up though, so we'll we'll get enough breakfast for you and enough lunch for you. Mm-hmm. Go to Terrence Crutcher Foundation dot org. That's T E R E N C E Crutcher Foundation dot org, or call us at area code five three nine eight six seven thirteen zero four, and let us know you would like to join Give us. Give us that number again, one more time. Area code five three nine eight six seven thirteen. Zero four, and let us know you want to hang out with us um, this weekend and learn more about our foundation and the work we're doing. All right. Well, thank you, lady. Okay. Thank you, Bobby. All right. All right. We love you. We hey, love you we love you. All right. You've been on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories all our way every Monday, Wednesday, six p.m., Saturdays, twelve to two. Till the next time, stay black. <laughs>